I got a word that I want to share with you today. It's going to come from Psalm 13. Psalm 13, and we're going to be having communion together, so get some bread and get some juice, because towards the end, we're going to take communion together. But Psalm 13, and the title of my message is very simple, We Need Hope. We Need Hope, Psalm 13. This past week, Gracie and I were teaching on Wednesday night, and we're talking about the Apostle Paul and how No matter what came his way, he always continued to press on. And Gracie said it's because of hope. Because he knew that God had promised that he would speak in Rome. And and she said hope. And she said when people have hope, people who have fallen off of a, a boat out at sea, but they know somebody saw them and help is on the way, she said they can live for days hanging on to hope knowing that there is somebody that's coming. There was a submarine that sank off one of our coasts, and it was an S-4 submarine, and it was rammed by a, a ship, and the sub sank, but they couldn't lift it up, and they couldn't seem to get the uh, sailors off of that, that sub, and, and so a diver went down. It looked like there that... that It was going to be a while before they got the people off of that sub. And when the diver went down, he heard somebody pounding on the side of the sub from the inside in Morse code. And it was was translated, is there any hope? Is there any hope? It said we can live 40 days without food, 8 days without water, 4 minutes without air, but only a few seconds without hope. And I want you to know your situation may be difficult today. You may be battling and bills are coming in and you're not working. There's sickness in your family. There might be the this corona in your family and, and people you know have even died from it. And you're overwhelmed and you're depressed and it, you're filled with the blues and glooming and mourning and hurting. You're asking the same question. Is there any hope? Is there any hope? David, who was a shepherd boy who would eventually become the second king of Israel, asked the same question. He was anointed king, but he would not become king for several years. And the king that was in place Saul, the first king of Israel, became jealous because David worked for Saul and David led armies and defeated the enemy for King Saul. And Saul was jealous and he thought that David was going to end up taking his place and his glory. And so he began to chase David, the shepherd boy. David, the boy that had killed a lion. David, a boy who had killed a bear when he was protecting his sheep. And he was just a shepherd boy. David, the boy that killed Goliath when Israel's best were on the side of a hill. Afraid of this giant. God used David. It was was David who was being chased and he was in hiding in caves and there were armies and there were troops and there were groups that chased him down. 
And, and we don't know exactly the scenario or situation, but it's out of this scenario that we believe that he penned Psalm 13 as the Holy Spirit led him. And, and the question that it, it comes up is, is there any hope when you're in those moments where it looks like you are not going to come out victorious on the other side because the opposition is so great and you've lost so much and you're being chased and run down and tormented. Look what it says in Psalm 13. And I think David is really asking a question and he says it. Look how many times he says, how long, Lord, verse 1, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? And David, again, he's just a young man. He's being chased down. He just wants to obey God and he wants to be united and, and work together for the best of the kingdom. And, and he's being chased down by the one that's leading the kingdom. And these questions that pop up, how long, Lord, you've forgotten me, right? God, where are you? Can't you see me? Have you felt like that? Do you feel like that? Have you gone through moments when you're wondering, God, do you even hear my voice? Do you know what's going on? And your mind is racing, and it's been a long trial. Now, we've been in this corona only, this quarantine only for a little over a, a month now, but I'll tell you, it seems a lot longer, doesn't it? Because we've never had to stop like this before. And, and it, seems, it seems overwhelming because we're, we're looking at the, the different financial situations uh, of our country and going down and the money that is being borrowed and being made right now that we don't even have the gold to back it up. And, and, and we've seen the sickness and people that are, are not socializing and even older people that aren't socializing, they feel so depressed, they feel like dying. And the truth is some of them may even be on the edge of dying because they haven't had someone that's part of the family able to sit right there in the room with them. And David is asking the question, God, where are you? Have you been there? Because of the length of the trial, you don't feel like God may be present. He didn't feel the presence of God. This is the guy that, that, that the Spirit of God moved upon to do all of these great things. And now he is alone and he feels alone and he can't feel the presence of God. And mentally, there are monsters that are being made within his head and he's thinking the worst. Have you been there? Are you there now? We need hope where you start to think the worst and you start to think the, the worst scenarios that could possibly happen. You can't even fathom the sun rising. You can't even fathom there being a beautiful day and, and you're mentally exhausted and even physically you're drained as a result of this. That's where David was. That's where we can be too. I don't think we have to hide from our feelings. I don't think we have to, to hide and, and, and act as if, oh, I've got all the faith. No, there are moments in our lives when we're saying, God, are you there? Just like David. God, have, have you abandoned me? God, are you hiding your face from me? 
God, my heart is broken. God, am I going to lose the battle? Is it going to overflow? Is the boat going to sink? Am I going to be just trapped forever? It's okay to bring it to him. God's big enough. And I don't, I don't know if David is bringing a, a, an indictment on God and bringing an entitlement saying, God, I don't deserve this. I don't think David is doing that. Nor can we come and say, God, we don't deserve this. No, we don't deserve it. Because we really don't deserve anything. <laughs> but God is there and wants to meet us right where we're at. And I think it's okay for us to bring our complaint to the Lord voice it to share it i don't even mean bring it to people that you know i mean take it to god and in your alone time when you're away say god let me voice what's going on does god already know yes voice it share it with him right share it with him it's in your head now share it and air it out let that poison just come out I think that's one of the things, if we're going to begin to have hope, we need hope. We need to air out that which is bringing us down and making us feel hopeless. Bring it to God. This is why I'm hopeless, God. This is my circumstance and my situation. But then I, then I think the hope is going to come when you take a look at verse 3 and verse 4. Look what it says. He says, look on me and answer me, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say I have overcome him. And my foe will rejoice when I fall. What's the, the step, the first step to getting back up to where you're filled with some kind of hope is pray. 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 David is no longer wallowing in all that he's going through, but now he starts to take a look and he starts to say what the psalmist said in Psalm 121, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. As he looked up to the hills, where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord. Begin to look to God. And he says, give me light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. In other words, I need to start making some sense and give me some kind of understanding. Help me to start to, to, to look to you. It's gone on long. My emotion is torn to pieces, my emotions. I'm, I'm drained even spiritually. But God, in the midst of my trial, I come to you and I pray. Give me understanding, God. You know, James said the same thing in the book of James in chapter 1. James encourages the church, when you're going through a trial, pray. Pray for wisdom and believe that God will give you the wisdom to deal with the trial and situation that you're going through. Take it to him. He's a big God. And as we begin to take it to him, what happens is faith begins to arise inside of us. Instead of playing the recording that's in our head that is put there by the enemy, you're going to lose, you're going to lose, you're going to lose, you're going to lose, you're going to lose. You start to see victory from a God who is victorious. And David uses some language. I think it's great. It says, look on me and answer me, Lord my God. Those are powerful words. Those words are the God of 
the God of promise and the God of power, Jehovah Elohim. You are almighty God and you are the God that makes a promise and out of your almightiness, you're the one that can answer it. You're the one that can fulfill it. And David, maybe he was looking back and he was remembering, I was anointed by Samuel. When King Saul, Saul was still King Saul, when there were brothers of mine that were much more qualified than me, Samuel came and called me out and anointed me and said, you will be the next king of Israel. And David is once again, as he's praying this prayer, you are the God, you are almighty God, and you are the God of promise, Jehovah Elohim. In other words, you are more than capable of accomplishing what you have planned. And regardless of what people may will, and regardless of circumstances that is thrown upon people's lives, if the God of promise has committed the promise and made the promise, he is more than powerful to accomplish it. And that's what David is, is focusing on. My Lord and my God, God of promise and the God of all power, it's in those moments when we go through hard times that we begin to sometimes forget what we already know. Our God is a powerful God, and God is not going to let us down. And so David begins to look to the Lord, no longer wallowing in his circumstance, though he vents it, and now he begins to fill up on what truth is. And he says, he says, I will, he says, give, look on me and answer me. Lord, my God, give light to my eyes. He knows, or I will sleep in death and my enemy will say, I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. He's saying, in and of myself, I can't, but in the Lord, I can. I had a student this past week. I teach homiletics preaching at North Point Bible College and I have one of my students that is in Korea, and she, she is there now because of the quarantine, and I had her on a Zoom meeting with other students, and, and, and it was on Thursday morning that she was preaching from, from, from the book of Exodus and about Moses and the calling, and God called him to deliver Israel, and, and he was doubting, and he, he did, couldn't see any hope. There was, there, there was no way that he could do what God was telling him to do, and he says, well, who am I going to say sent me? And, 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 and she came out, she said, say, I am, I am is sending you. I am is sending you. And then she defined it. And when she defined it, it opened my eyes up. And I said, oh my goodness, I've, I've never thought of that. I've never read that. It, it, she said, I am means all sufficient God. But God is more than able. That the God who is called, that the God has put you on his path and the will of him is a God who will get you to the finish line as well. It's the all-sufficient God, Moses, that is sending you, and I will sufficiently do. And what David is saying, the God of all power, the God who made the promise, is the God who is all-sufficient 
to keep it and make it happen. There's hope. There's hope. There's hope. We need hope. It says this, and I was thinking, I read something that I was thinking, when we get on the other side of this coronavirus and quarantine, I don't want to be the same Ken Bongiorno that was at the starting line of this quarantine. When we get to the finish line of all of this, I want to be transformed. I want to be changed. I, I want to grow deeper in him. I want to see him. I want to know his power. I want to experience the trust that he is calling us to during this time. And, I, and this is what I read. It says, it says this, I asked God to take away my habit. And God said, no, it's not for me to take it away, but for you to give it up. And I asked God to make my handicapped child whole, and God said, no, his spirit is whole. His body is only temporary. I asked God to grant me patience, and God said, no, patience is a byproduct of tribulation. It isn't granted, it is learned. I asked God to give me happiness, and God said, no, I give you blessings. Happiness is up to you. I asked God to spare me pain, and God said, no, suffering draws you apart from worldly cares and brings you closer to me. May God give us understanding as we go through this, and may God give us understanding, not necessarily in changing the circumstance, though he may very well do that, but may God give us understanding in looking to him and being transformed through this season that we're going through. May we not be the same. May we never be the same. May we be different from the starting point. When we get to the finish line, may we be changed by him. And may we be able to see our God in a new light that he is all-powerful. And he is a God that keeps promises. And that our God will walk with us whether we are going to have to go, he's going to pull us out or he's going to take us through. That's what I see. As we read this passage, David first vents his complaint to God and it's okay to vent. Get the poison out. But then once you get the poison out, you begin to go to God and see him for who he really is. And that is an all-sufficient God. And without him, we will go to the death and die in defeat. But with him, we will come through it. Just like Abshak and Meshach and Abednego, when they would not bow down and worship in Babylon, the idol that was put up, they were brought to a furnace that was so hot that the people that brought them there, these three guys, they died dropping these three men into the furnace. And when they looked down into the furnace and the people could see, you know what they saw? They didn't see three, they saw four because God was with them in it and he didn't take them out of it but he took them through it and I want you to know the God who has called you has given his life for you is a God of hope who sees the past the present and the future and your life is in his hands and he's got hope to bring you deliver you and take you to the destination that he has for your life
And take a look. Take a look what it says within this passage here. It says, David then, after he begins to say, God, without you, I can't do it. God, give me understanding and get me through. Look what it says in verse 5. It says, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. You know, hope comes when we understand that God is going to give the understanding and the direction and he is all sufficient. But hope also comes when we realize his love is unfailing. That's what David right here is saying. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. His love. He loves us. He'll never love us more. He'll never love us less. He's proven his love. The cross that stands behind me is proof that he loves us. That God has loved us and he has lavished his love on us through Jesus Christ who gave his life for us. And so the same God that, that gave his life and has put us on the path of walking towards him and his plan and his will for our lives is not going to abandon us. His love is unfailing. It would be like a, a mother. No mother in her right mind can abandon her children. She'll, she'll give everything, including her life, for those children. I like to watch these, these wildlife videos, and I like to, to, to watch the, the planet Earth, and I, I watch when, a, when, a, when lions start to come in and go after a calf when there is a, a, one of these, these African cows that are they're out there, and, and that the lions begin to swarm around the calf, and, and they get on the calf. They try to take the calf down. The mother always is with willing to give her life, even an animal is willing to give her life to protect that calf. How much more a God who has created us in his image is willing to watch and protect and guard. We have to trust in his unfailing love, even in the most difficult circumstance and Questions that we have, and I mean, not just simple, I can't pay a bill. I'm talking about disease, and I'm talking about death, and I'm talking about children who die, and circumstances that are beyond anybody's control. It was not brought on by any choices that they made. In those moments, we we can have this place of doubt and this place of hopelessness. I want you to know that you can trust in his unfailing love when nothing else. Just look to that cross. He loves us. He's given his life for us. He has not abandoned us. He is not hiding from us. There is a plan. And if we'll cling to him and not allow this quarantine to pass by without being 
changed and will allow him to change us when we get on the other side. We'll be closer than we've ever been. Transformed in our faith and trusting and believing. David even said, I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Can't always see it when we're going through it. But go through it. Can't always feel him there when you're going through it. But he's there. You can trust what you have heard, what you have read, what you have experienced in your own life and seen in the lives of others. There is hope. There is hope. A story about an Indian Native American ritual. And when a boy turns 13, the boy is, there's a ceremony and there's a rites of passage and he is taken out to one of the deepest parts of the forest they blindfold him and they take him out and it's daylight when they leave, but by the time they get there, it's dark. And then they leave him there and he has to stay all night. And that night he hears twigs breaking and he hears animals, little animals maybe crawling, but I can tell you when you're in the deep forest at night, just a little twig breaking because a squirrel stepped on it sounds like a monster animal. He's scared out of his mind and all night, one night doesn't seem like just maybe eight or 10 or 12 hours. It seems like a week. But then when morning comes, His father steps out from the side of a tree with a bow and an arrow and walks over to his son and says, well done. And his father was protecting him the entire time that night from anything that would ever harm him, ready to give his life to protect his son. And I'm telling you, our God, he's there. And you might be in the dark of night. And you might be scared out of your mind, but he is there. And his protecting hand and his protective eyes are watching over you. Trust it. There was a man that I know that he was moving and he had to get a couch out of a third floor window. And because he couldn't take it down the stairs and they took a rope and there were people down below and people were wondering, can the rope hold that couch? And he stood up in the window and he was lowering this couch on the rope and he trusted that the rope would hold the couch and the couch wouldn't fall and maybe crush somebody down below. 
or crumble the couch to pieces if it fell. But could he trust it to carry, to hold his weight if he was lowered down? Today, we've had faith. We've had faith in those seasons of spring and the seasons of summer of our lives where things have been good and we've maybe never really been tested before. And we've had the rope and we know that it holds. It, it, it's held me to this point. But can it hold my complete weight? Can it hold me safely until I'm lowered down? And I'm saying, yes, it can. And it's during this time that that rope, your faith, your trust in what God says is going to be tested and it's going to be strengthened. You've never had to let go completely and allow that rope to totally hold you. But I'm telling you, it is strong enough. So allow yourself to fall into his arms. Trust him so that he can fill you with that beautiful song when morning comes. The song of praise. I'll praise him. He's standing right there. He hasn't abandoned you. He hasn't forsaken you. He is with us. And if we'll go to him and ask for understanding and wisdom to get through this season, he'll give it to us. And we can trust that he will and that he'll get us through because of his unfailing love. May your heart be filled with that song. As David said, I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. It's good. We need hope. So you can vent out that poison inside. You can complain and bring that to God. But then ask for understanding and know that the all-sufficient God, the God of promise and the God of power is the one who will get you through the circumstance that you're in right now, whatever it may be. Place of depression and overwhelm. Place where you think the boat is sinking and the bills are coming in. Place where the grief is so great and Feel like you can't go on. He'll be there. He'll get you through. He's strong enough. He will hold you and even lower you till your feet are back on solid ground. 